Welcome to the Song Saloon. I'm singer-songwriter Jordan Smith-Reynolds. Each week, I sit down with an artist and we talk about one of their songs. This week's guest is Solly. A native of Houston, Texas, Samoan-American tenor Solomon Reynolds has equal passions for classical music and indie pop. Solomon is a three-time Encouragement Award recipient of the Metropolitan Opera Eric and Dominique LaFont competition in the Houston, Utah, and Los Angeles districts. He recently performed as Percheck in the first national tour of Fiddler on the Roof, directed by Tony Award-winning director Bartlett Schur. In addition to stage roles, Solomon is a host at Classical California KUSC 91.5 FM in Los Angeles and an active singer-songwriter under his artist name Solly. As many of you know at this point, I have a background in classical singing myself, and Solomon and I actually met at school and performed in operas together. I'm excited to have him on as a guest today. Welcome, Solly. Hi, Jordan. Yeah, it's been 10 years when we, we, we performed the same role together. Yeah. I don't know if we ever shared the stage, right? I don't think so, no, but I do remember not learning the opera in time, and you came to my apartment, sat on my couch, and just drilled it with me, which was very <laughs> kind of you. Yeah, that was good. It was super helpful, I felt. Well, it, it was a new opera, so like the rhythms were weird, the melody was weird, and so it was just kind of... Luckily, it wasn't that long. It's like 80 minutes or something. Yeah. Yeah, Jamie Erickson was the composer for that. And it was, I think, his first opera, right, that he had created. First opera. He did a musical before that. But mm -hmm. yeah, young composer. Today, you're bringing the song Purple Lemonade, which is really special for this podcast because it's not a complete song yet. You're still kind of playing with it, right? Yeah, still marinating in the sauce. We were chatting earlier. Some some people write songs and they just churn them out. And that's never been my style. I think it, it's either like OCD or, I don't know, perfectionism or even like egomania. It's just I have a hard time thinking that a song is done ever. You know, a handful of like composers would like throw away their old music yeah. or like revise it right up until they die, like Brahms, Tchaikovsky. I think of Depark. When, when I think of that with the art songs, mm -hmm. like I think if I'm remembering that right, Dupark had like 18 art songs and like threw everything else away. Like there's Ooh. nothing else we have. And I really resonate with that because like the older I get, the more I get cringed out of like old songs or, or like old music I've written, even like old diary entries. I just get super cringed out. So, and I'm, I guess that's <laughs> a ubiquitous <laughs> human thing to feel. Yeah, and it's so much harder these days, right, to burn a song out of existence because <laughs> mm. of the digital footprint we leave. Well, conversely, it's also harder to lose things. Like a big reason that I release songs is honestly just so like my kids can listen to it. I don't really care <laughs> who else listens, but I just want to like make a digital record of things, make sure they don't get lost. Yeah. I don't know if you're this way. Do you ever like think of a melody or a song lyric and don't write it down and then it's just gone forever. It's really nice to have like voice memos or like notes on my phone. Just I don't forget things, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, that is kind of my go-to right now is the voice memos app, which I it desperately needs cleaning because it takes like 10 years to boot up with all the voice memos mm -hmm, that are saved. Just hundreds, thousands. Yeah, I, know. I'm, I don't know if you're this way. I, I love most of the things I've written down in voice memos. 
I just never go back to them. So I have like all of these song seeds that I would love to write. I just forget about them. Yeah. Would you say you, I was just listening to this, this book by Rick Rubin called The Creative Act. And he talks about people kind of falling into two camps as artists, as more like explorers or finishers of songs. And based on the conversation, I imagine you feel like you fit more in that explorer camp. Is that accurate? Mm, Yeah. Specifically with this song, with Purple Lemonade, I've been exploring memory or, yeah, memory and loss, like what's in the past. And I I don't often do this because it's kind of a dumb musician thing, but like where you'll purposefully try and change the chord structure just so it doesn't sound cliche. I, all right, I'm on a soapbox, Jordan. Okay. I feel like music it. should be carried by melody. And a lot of people disagree with me, but I like wholeheartedly believe there's no point to music unless there's a melody that like a non-musician, a, a lay person can grab onto, you know? If you can't whistle the piece of music after you heard it, then for me, that's a failure on the composer's part. So for me, I love the idea of melody, but with melody, you fall into cliches because there's like all of these like predetermined harmonic structures that people already write in one, four, five, six, one, you know, and it's hard to write a new melody, like a quote unquote new melody. And so you're stuck between, or at least I'm stuck between wanting to write something tuneful, but also something original. And so I guess that's that exploring, you know, trying to find the happy medium between like that something beautiful to sing, but also something that doesn't sound like everything else. Right. Yeah. Do you start with melody or is it, is it words that inspire you? I typically start with melody. Yeah. And then I try and, yeah, it doesn't, I don't usually reverse engineer songs from the text. I start a melody and then whatever that melody sounds like to me or whatever story that seems like it's telling, then I try and start crafting words into that. So it's more of a literary puzzle for me than, than melodies. Melodies come easier for me than the words do. Yeah. Very interesting. So I found in my writing, I tend to lean towards lyrics or I have in the past where I'll, I'll come up with a lyrical concept and then jump into it that way. And then just kind of say the words in those lines over and over until I kind of get some melody appearing out of it. But I've been wanting to go more this melodic route. And some of the songs I've noticed, it's like I'll start mumbling and then words kind of come from the mumbles on the melodies. Do you find that happens too? Yeah, or I'll I'll put placer words. I usually know how many syllables I need. I often run into this writing songs. I tell myself, okay, I need nine syllables to say this concept. And so it's like a fun literary, well, not fun. It's kind of like a, like pulling my hair out literary game. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What part of the process is the most fun for you as a songwriter? Is it the creation of melody? Honestly, and I'm sure that you felt this. It's when I'm singing a song to an audience and they're singing along with me that's like one of the most special experiences. Like, because I feel like this thing that I wrote, I'm just some guy, you know, uh, affected someone else enough that they learned the words that I wrote down and now we're singing them together. 
that's one of the most special experiences. So like that's worth all of the work of booking and having a stupid social media account and the 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 dumb process of writing the perfect word, which takes weeks for me. Like all of that's worth it after I get to sing it in front of someone. And then after that, when they get to sing it with me, I, I don't, that's, I don't know how to describe that. That's one of the best feelings in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. That, you know, what is close to that for me is when I hear a song used, even in like a social media clip, like someone chose to use some of my song to describe something that happened in their day, that, or like in an indie film or something like that, seeing music paired to like help elevate art that is up there and in just i i love seeing my music be able to to help be part of that and then also just performing live it's yeah those are those are the highlights for me at byu where we went to school for our undergrad i went to a lot of contemporary dance ensemble concerts and one of one of my music milestones is to have one of my songs be used for other people to dance to like either or like being commissioned to write for a ballet like it's just i love seeing the intersection of like multimedia arts yeah i mean that's what that's what opera basically is right with just all the different moving parts that are connected with with music and with story and with acting and the orchestra musicians like yeah the Gesamtkutzwerk, is that the word? <laughs> of all the vitriol that I could spew about opera, and I'm sure you can too, yeah. I do think it's the zenith of live performance just because you have like such a massive collaborative project coming together with like composers and conductors and, and costume designers and set designers and, and then actors and vocal coaches. And I mean, so many, so many moving parts come in to make this thing that is now this experience that the audience gets to take away yeah so i i, I love when i i love collaborative efforts which is funny because i hate writing songs with other people so maybe i should yeah yeah and it could be that you know if you try writing with other people you might find some that just really click mm. well you know as you're doing it yeah um R- writing for me is like dating or it's just mm-hmm. so hard to find someone that just speaks your language or maybe I'm just a big idiot and it's, it's, <laughs> I'm not meeting people where, where they are, but when it does click, that is also an awesome feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've only had a few collaborations where it was just like, oh, right now inspiration is hitting, you know? So yeah, I can see a lot of benefit to being a song finisher as a collaborator, right? Cause when you're in that collaborative space, you can get into a song and just structurally make it work really quickly but, and I've, I've had a few experiences like that where it's been fun to kind of just hammer something out and have something created that wasn't there before. But it's very rare for me to be super connected to that piece in a, after mm. a collaboration. And the only pieces I've been really like super connected to and feel like, oh, I need to share this have been mostly songs that I've written. I've gotten a song to about 80% or so, 80, even 90%, and then bring that to someone and just work on finishing up tiny little melody things or working out a verse, you know, that sort of thing. I have found some success doing that. My song Hurricane House, which should be coming out this year, is one of those. Have you done that much? I know we kind of looked at this song a little bit 
mostly just over text and and things. Well, it's but. it's really funny. My I have I have two really good friends. Actually, we went to school with all together at BYU, and we will all share music that we're writing with each other, and none of us will ever take the other person's advice. So, <laughs> I will constantly send songs to these two, and they'll they'll give me feedback. And like, even if I agree with them, I usually won't take them up on it because it's at the end of the day, it's my song, you know, and, right. and and I give my opinions freely to them as well. And they usually don't take it. And I think it's having someone give you an opinion that contradicts your gut instinct. It usually catalyzes <laughs> or like makes me double down on my, my like instinct already. So it, it's helpful in that way. Like I can send songs to friends and or work on a song with a friend present and then get their opinions. And even if I don't agree with them, it helps me arrive to a conclusion that I wouldn't have ended up at if I hadn't shown it to them. Sure. Yeah, actually that relates a lot to what I've been talking with someone else about teaching voice is I think I try to set up with my students in voice the, the idea of if it feels right, it probably is when you sing and being that being kind of the guiding star, not like, oh, I say this thing. So it must be like gospel truth. You know, this is how your voice should sound and feel. It's really important that we go with our instincts. Like, I think if we bury that for what, even if it like logically makes sense, right? They say, oh, you should do this to your song. And logically, oh yeah, that like the syllable should fit, you know, the music math stuff like that. You're exactly right. That's what it should do. If it doesn't feel good, if it's not what's coming here, then it's kind of worthless, right? Like, if you but, really want to confuse yourself as a songwriter, I think it would be implement everyone's opinion. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Show your song to everyone, get their opinions, and then, and, <laughs> and then try and incorporate them into your song and your song will be terrible. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I think that is only helpful once you can get to that place of confidence and, and trust in yourself, right? And trust of, you know, what is your taste and what feels good. Then you can have those things come in and, and be able to bounce, let it bounce away when you don't need it and take it. Well, here's, here's the funniest thing. Like the, my favorite songs that I've written aren't other people's favorite songs. Like I wrote a song in a day with a friend because he was in a class and he needed a singer songwriter to to produce something with for a grade. And so really quickly penned out this song that was maybe 20 words. It's still like three minutes or so because there's a lot of oohs in the chorus. And that's a lot of people's favorite song that I've written and I don't connect to it that much. I guess because I didn't sit on it for weeks and like labor emotionally trying to find the right word or the right chord progression. A lot of people like that one. I don't know, actually. My favorite songs aren't typically what other people's favorite songs are, which is kind of silly too. It's like my favorite songs are for me, you know? <laughs> if, if I were writing with other people in mind, I would probably be writing a different song. But the songs that I like the most, that's kind of why I write them, because I like them, you know? Yeah. It can be very different from like the pop world to more of the singer songwriter world too. I find, yeah, because I getting in a room with like, you know, 12 other writers and writing something pop would be a lot harder for me to get into that place where, where I think 
at least the stuff I've heard from you, feels very singer-songwriter world to me, you know? Mm. I think when you have a producer in one ear and a, an agent and a manager in another ear, and then you have other songwriters, you know, just like talking for you, it's hard to it's hard to feel authentic as, as a pop singer. My favorite thing about being a singer-songwriter is you have complete authorship over what you're doing. You get to write the lyrics, you get to write the melody, you get to decide the harmonic structure. You get to decide how to play it and where to play it. And so <laughs> this, this sounds anti-collaborative now. So I love the idea of like a singer-songwriter. That is, that is a diary entry. You are listening to someone's heart and soul because they, have, they built this thing by themselves. Whereas like a, a produced song, there's like producer, there's a mixer, there's instrumentalist. There's so many things that go into that. But there's something really raw and like just like like human to human about listening to a singer songwriter sing a song on their guitar in a living room, you know? Yeah. And going back to the classical music tradition that we've gone in, I've always really related to, to art song as well, because it's kind of a similar style where it's, you know, it's been meant to perform poetry and things in a, in a smaller environment, like in a living room situation. I do really like that connection as much as I like the, you know, more full scale operas. And there's a really nice intimacy that you achieve as a singer songwriter that you also could compare to art song. What opera often omits is this emphasis on connection to emotion and storytelling. Cause you, you want the voice to be perfect. You want the blocking to be adequate. You want the music to be compelling. But if you can't connect to a character or tell a cohesive story, for me, there's no point in that opera. So first and foremost, when I'm writing a song, I think about what, what story am I trying to tell? And like going beyond that, this is my story. So how, how am I putting myself in this story? What am I saying to someone else? So I, I, most of my songs, if not all of my songs, they come from very personal places, from personal experience. And then I try and generalize it enough so it's like this shared human experience, you know? So if I talk about sadness or loss, that's something that I've experienced, but all of us have experienced that. And so I feel like when you write a story very specifically, but approach very general topics, um, it's very easy to connect with that and like experience catharsis with that. Absolutely. It's very strange how you can get very specific on things, but people know exactly that feeling that comes from that specific experience, even if it's not a shared experience. So I, I really love that in songwriting. I think Phoebe Bridgers is a good example of someone who will get very specific about things that, yeah, you just, you can connect to that general emotion underneath really quickly through that specificity. I'm thinking back now and I think my most specific songs I think are sad and I, I don't know if, can you think of a happy song that people wrote with very specific lyrics that, that are meaningful? I don't, I'm thinking of like, I don't know, Kesha, Miley Cyrus, they get pretty specific with their songwriting, but. What do you mean by know. meaningful for that? Maybe this is just like a bleeding emo soy boy thing, but like, I feel <laughs> like, like it's so much easier to be specific with with sad <laughs> with with like sad bleeding emotions and I, maybe that's just a personal thing i don't focus a lot on the happy things that happen in my life but 
I actually, I, I like this a lot. I think I'm going to go and try and write some songs that are very specific and very happy. Um, yeah. Just for me, I guess. Yeah. I think in general, it is harder to do that because everything, at least in my experience, when I try to write something from a more happy perspective, it's really easy to feel corny, you know, mm. or just kind of fake or something. So I, I totally get that. And I think it's a great challenge to be able to do something happy and have that that heart and meaning in it. I'm thinking of Stevie Wonder's Isn't She Precious? I mean, wrote that right after his daughter was born. That's a really, I mean, it's a, it's elation, the entire song. Yeah, he has a lot um, of those, like Sign Sealed Delivered mm. and all that. Just super fun. Cool. Could we hear this song? You've got Purple Lemonade today. I would love to hear where you're at with it. Sure. And is there anything that you'd like to preface your performance with? Just what the song's about, why you're writing it, those sorts of things. Yeah, I don't know if you're this way, but a lot of my songs are written like two or three years after the melody first comes to me. Just going back in voice memos or maybe I'm at a, a point in my life where the lyrics flow more more easily. This m melody came to me in grad school and it talks about a recipe of a summer drink, just purple lemonade, but how that lemonade is connected with this relationship that that the singer doesn't have access to anymore. And so the way that the singer connects with this loss is by making the lemonade or anytime the singer wants to feel connected to that loss, they can make the lemonade with these, with these ingredients. And there's not a specific person in mind or a specific experience in mind. Funny talking about specificity, but this song talks about memory and losing things and kind of like a an essential grief that all of us go through well i'm gonna stop talking i'm gonna just sing it for you sweet seems like just the other day we made some purple lemonade with lavender, lemon, black currant, and honey, bring it back to me. Now you're just a memory, and that's all that you will ever be. But with lavender, lemon, black currant, and honey, you are far away from me.
thanks so much. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Yeah, there is such a nostalgic feeling to the song and like the mellow picking pattern just feels really nice. Hmm, thanks, Jordan. Yeah, so where do you see this going? Because you feel like it's about 90, 95%. What do you think needs to happen? I feel like the post-pandemic 21st century songwriter, it's kind of essential to have your own studio. So you need a professional mic, you need a DAW. And I haven't really dabbled into that, luckily. I've had just really talented friends that are really <laughs> generous with their time and their payment with me. But I have a microphone now. I have a DAW. And so I would like to track the entire song myself and edit it. And there's a couple reference tracks, but I really like Dodie. And I like the way that Dodie produces her songs. Her song, She, has just simple strings that are either pizzicato or they're bowed. And then she tr- there's multiple vo- vocal tracks and then guitar. And I, I have a cello, I have a guitar, and I can track multiple vocals. vocals. So... I kind of just want to produce it in this, I don't know, very simple, but like kind of ethereal, chorusy. Some I don't want to overproduce it, you know? I don't know if you've <laughs> fallen into the trap of over, overproducing a very simple song. That's the last thing I want to do. But I want to use this as an opportunity to learn how to use logic. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a great idea. I'm in the same boat, especially with this song. I feel like it does is would be great super simple and i kind of hear personally like you know how sufjan stevens tracks if you listen to those there's like a huge hiss sound the whole time like i don't know if you've heard that like if you go back and listen to like carrie and lowell's album there's so much noise in all of the recordings but it feels so good to have that extra like white noise going on during it yeah. yeah so i would love to hear hear this with that kind of just present i'm um, excited to it feels kind it. of like yeah. an audio hug in a way <laughs> that, mm-hmm. the white noise stuff that's so cool well where can people find you anywhere you get your songs apple music itunes amazon search solly s-o-l-l-y i have an ep and a handful of singles out follow me on instagram solly ollie s-o-l-l-y o-l-l-y also venmo and cash app if you're feeling generous same thing yeah, and I'll have links to, to all those things up there as well. Great. And you can also tune in if you're here in LA to the Classical Station. Do you have a set time that you're doing that? It's sporadic, just just filling in for people. But it's a great station to listen to regardless if you're stuck in traffic. Awesome. Yes, please do follow Solly for performances and for you're doing so many other things too with musical theater and opera and your bio. So definitely follow along for the music and for all these other art forms if you're interested in those beyond the the singer-songwriter work. Thanks so much for being on today. Thanks for having me, Jordan. All right. I'll see ya. Thanks for stopping by the Song Saloon. Episodes are released weekly on Wednesday and you can follow on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter at The Song Saloon. And visit our website, thesongsaloon.com, where you can find past episodes, transcriptions, sign up to our email list, and find more ways to support the show. Please follow, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Every little bit helps grow our community of artists, songwriters, and music lovers. We truly couldn't do it without you. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>